Last day in July. Summer's almost over. I'm really happy it's almost over. So I do like my cold weather. Um, again, I want to welcome our guests here. Thank you for being with us here this afternoon and continue to pray for our quizzers. As you've noticed, some people are missing. Um, they are in uh, Missouri, and you think it's hot here. Um, it's worse there. So uh, just pray for them. Pray that they do well um, and uh, have a great time. So I just love it. It's a little reward for our, uh, our kids because they, you know, they work so hard all year to get to go and travel. And, and uh, I believe I've always enjoyed traveling with the quizzers. Uh, actually, I had to, I, when I used to, you know, be with quizzers. Um, amen. So I have a story I want to talk about. And I do want to say viewer discretion is advised. Um, so we do, we, it's about a story. And I'm sure you're all familiar with this story. Um, and I do um, uh, want to say, uh, I'll go through this story. Just, just listen to the story, okay? Just have an open mind about this story. I'm not trying to offend anyone here, okay? Um, uh, but it's very important. I think we've all heard this story before. But just, let's just keep an open mind here this, morning, this afternoon, okay? Once upon a time, like how all stories begin, there was a dear little girl who was loved by everyone who looked at her, but most of all by her grandmother. And there was nothing that she would not have given to the child. Once she gave her a little cap of red velvet, which suited her so well that she would never wear anything else. So she was always called Little Red Riding Hood. And, and Sister Susan, we're, we're both on the same wavelength here. You were, spirit, you, were, you were praying the other day, and she's got her cap on and everything, so she knew we were going to be talking about Little Red Riding Hood. Um, one day, her mother said to her, Come, Little Red Riding Hood. Here is a piece of cake and a bottle of wine. Take them to your grandmother. She's ill and weak, and they will do her good. Wine, modern version of medicine. So she set out before it gets hot, and we are going walk nicely and quietly, and don't run off the path, or you may fall and break the bottle, and then your grandmother will get nothing. And when you go into her room, don't forget to say good morning, and don't peep into every corner before you do it. I will take great care, said Little Red Riding Hood to her mother, and, her, and it gave her hand on it. Then grandmother lived out in the woods, about a half a league from the village, and just as Little Red Riding Hood entered the wood, but who should she see but the infamous wolf met her. And Little Red Riding Hood did not know what a wicked creature he was and was not at all afraid of him. Good day, Little Red Riding Hood, he said. Thank you, kindly wolf. Whither away so early, Little Red Riding Hood? Well, to my grandmother's house. What have you in your apron? Cake and wine. Yesterday was baking day, so poor sick grandma is having to something good to make her stronger. Well, where does your grandmother live, Little Red Riding Hood? A good quarter of a league farther into the woods. Her house stands under the large tree oak trees and nut trees just below. You surely must know it, replied the Lord Riding Hood. And the wolf thought to himself, what a tender young creature. What a nice, plump mouthful. She'll be better to eat than that old woman. I must act craftily so to catch both. 
So he walked for a short time by the side of Little Red Riding Hood, and then he said, See, Little Red Riding Hood, how pretty the flowers are about here? Why don't you look around? I believe, too, that you do not hear how sweetly these little birds are singing. You walk bravely along if you're going to go to school while everything else is out here in the wood is so merry. So Little Red Riding Hood raised her eyes, and she saw the sunbeams dancing there and through the trees and the pretty flowers growing everywhere, and she thought, suppose I take Grandmother a fresh nosegay. That would please her, too. So it was early in the day. I shall still be there in good time. And so she ran off the path into the woods to look for flowers. And whenever she picked one, she fancied, she'd say, oh, this one's prettier. And she ran after her. She got deeper and deeper and deeper into the woods. Can you see the ominous music playing in the background? Boom, 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 boom. Meanwhile, the infamous wolf ran straight to grandmother's house and knocked at the door. Who's there? Little Red Riding Hood, replied the wolf. She's bringing cake and wine. Open the door. Well, lift the latch, called grandmother. I'm too weak and can't get up. The wolf lifted the latch, and the door sprang open. And without saying a word, he went straight to grandmother's bed, and she devoured her. Mm-mm-mm. Then he put on her clothes, dressed himself up in their cape, and laid herself in bed, himself in bed, and drew the curtains. If only Little Red Riding Hood hadn't opened up her mouth and said where her grandmother lived. But she was just too trusting. And she just trusted this wolf, gave her all kinds of information. And sure enough, her grandmother's now gone. I have a point. I have a point. Little Red Riding Hood had been running about picking flowers, and when she had gathered so many she could carry no more, she remembered her grandmother, and she set out on her way to her. She was surprised to find the cottage door standing open. When she went into the room, she had a strange feeling. There was something off, she said to herself. Oh, dear, how uneasy I feel today. At other times, I'd be at grandmother so much, but today just something seems off. She called out, good morning, but no one answered. She went to the bed and she drew the curtains, and there lay her grandmother with her cap pulled over and her face looking very strange. Oh, grandmother, she said. Why, grandmother, what, what big ears you have. Well, to better to hear you, my child, she replied. But, but grandmother, what, what big eyes you have, she said. And well, it's to better to see you, my dear. But grandmother, your hands are so large. Oh, it's to better to give you hugs, my dear. But grandmother, what a terrible big mouth you have. To better to eat you, my dear. And severely the wolf said, and with one bound out of bed, swallowed up Little Red Riding Hood. And that was the end of Little Red Riding Hood. Well, the story continues on. But it's interesting, the story of Little Red Riding Hood has this moral in it. It teaches our kids. And we've all heard it. Maybe some of you heard it for the first time, but we've all heard this story. It's a story about taking care of your elders, which I think is a good thing. And it's making sure they have plenty of wine or medicine by our modern day standards. 
And it's interesting, she's distracted by this stranger. We find from the story that this person is unknown to Little Red Riding Hood. She was not familiar with this wolf, and this wolf was, she did not recognize this wolf. A stranger, not just a stranger, but someone who was dangerous. A better phrase would be stranger danger. And that's my title this afternoon, Stranger Danger. There you go. Look at that. Look at that wolf. Doesn't look scary. It's going to devour anybody. The roots of stranger danger warnings can be traced back to the 60s. Both in America and England were rocked with horrific crimes against children. These stories were headlines in every single newspaper. We're in the lead on every evening news program with these tragic stories cropping up. And parents mirror their own experiences growing up in relative safety with their little children. By the mid-80s and early 90s, the 24-hour cable news cycle became a reality. Now these tragic stories were blown to epic, sensational events, hard to escape. Children were being just glanced at at TV, could be exposed to stories of kidnapping, abductions, molestations, and murder. Parents became more anxious and overprotective and overreactive. Suddenly, stranger danger was a real threat. The only way to protect our children is to make sure they're their own security guards. And stranger danger became ingrained in every child's mind, in every person's mind. And the best way to protect vulnerable kids is to make, who are unable to defend themselves from the attacks of a wolf that they don't recognize, is that all strangers are dangerous. Every single one is out to get you. The world is coming after you. And we hear this, the sensational news and this, the way they project the negativity of people. Because we would not turn on the cable news if they talked about something positive. So they have to talk about the terrible. And what happens is when you see the terrible all day long, you assume everything is terrible. Everybody's out to get you. It's only a matter of time before they get you. Everybody is a wolf in disguise. They would be dreaded, disgusted. Each stranger is ready to kill you and eat you. The fear of strangers is a new generation, but it goes really far back. It goes back to the time of Moses when God instructs him to take care of the foreigner because they were foreigners in the land of Egypt. It goes back to the law of Moses, making sure you take care of the stranger. It goes back to the time of Jesus when a lawyer asks him, who is my neighbor? And Jesus reminds his audience once again, it's whoever is near you. Take care of the stranger. Well, that's a very conflicting message we're hearing right now, isn't it? It gets even more conflicting. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. Now I'm reading the net version. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And all the nations will be assembled before him and he will separate people from one another like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The next verse. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, 
you who are blessed, my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger among you, and you invited me in. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger invited you in, or naked or clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, I tell you the truth. Just as you did it for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you have done it to me. In the first story, we talk about strangers who is a wolf who comes to destroy and kill little Red Riding Hood. And here in the second story, we find a stranger. But who is it? But Jesus himself. Two conflicting stories. One from the world's perspective and one from God's perspective. One destroys the stranger and tells you to be suspicious of all strangers. Deep down, there is a wolf lurking in every single person ready to destroy you and take advantage of your family. And another elevates the stranger and tells you, you could be entertaining God himself. Two conflicting stories. Two very different stories. That's how the world works, right? Our values are different than the world's. And I'm not saying we should just open up our home to everybody. But just because someone's a stranger, they're not after you. We're taking a trip to the beach on one of the hottest days in July. And I decided to park a few blocks from uh, the beach, making sure um, we actually had parking that day. And our way back to the car, I decided to take all the bags and I went ahead of my wife. And I told her I was going to go ahead and pull all our bags away. So I reached the van, and I didn't realize how hot it was when I turned the van on to make sure the AC is blasting. Then I got the bright idea. I'm going to drive the van to pick them up so they wouldn't have to walk in this blistering heat. I leave my parking spot, and as I reach for my pocket to call my wife, I realize I don't have my phone, and I can't reach her. That's okay. I'll just park the car in the spot and look, see someone who's parked in my spot. And I, I, I mean, I, I tried to go back to the spot, and there was already somebody there. So I drove down towards the beach looking for my family. I couldn't find them. So I had to park on the, on the boardwalk, and I, I found this candy shop. I said, well, we've been there before. Maybe that's where they are. So I go to the candy shop. We had a lot of fond memories in there, and uh, I didn't find my family. So I started looking around in the boardwalk, and all I see is a sea of humanity flowing around me. I'm sweating in the heat. My naked forehead and my naked head are burning. I'm not smart and wise like Brother Moss. I don't wear hats yet. I need to do that. And I'm walking around, and I'm looking around, and I'm going, Meg! And you'd be surprised how many people's names are Meg. <laughs> so here's this foolish man who's sweating, 
who's screaming mag all around. And people are like, what is going on with this guy? So I prayed. And I said, God, give me a visual image of where Meg and my family are so I can go to them. I've seen missionaries do that. Nothing. It's a fair request. He could have done that. Made my life so much easier. So the sun is getting hotter. We've been waiting, and I'm trying to get find Meg, and, I, and she's not feeling well. We, I, I, mean, I have an arsenal of persuasion to convince her that we should go to the beach, and that's kind of what I did. So she's miserable. I can't find her. I can't find my family. And I'm trying to pray to God and get a visual image, and, and I hear this still, quiet voice. And it tells me, go ask for help. No, 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 no. You just have to give me a visual image. It's just me and you, Lord. I don't want to talk to somebody. I don't want to ask for help. Just me and you. Just, just the two of us. See, it's interesting. I have this view of God. This, I have this very flashy view of God who kind of looks like Mr. T, who has all this bling. And you know, all you could see is he's just... He's just really like out in your face, and he's not. He's plain and boring, and, and he sometimes talks in quiet tones to you. Go ask for help. So, so I, I find this guy who's sitting on the bench, and I'm, I'm sweating. I'm panicking because I'm trying to find my kids here. Meg's here with three little kids, so I'm going, is that your phone? I know, it probably wasn't the best way to start a conversation with somebody. When you say, is that your phone, you're like, were well, you going to steal this? What are you trying to do here, pal? So I said, I don't want to get into details, but I want to explain. I left my phone, I wasn't thinking, and here I drove off the, from the, from the parking spot, and now I can't get back to the parking spot. Now I've lost my family, and I don't have a phone, so I have to try to find them in the sea of humanity. And there's all kinds of kids walking around. And, of course, our stroller looks very similar to all kinds of strollers. So it's, it's, not, they could, it's, it's like finding a needle in a haystack. It's like, where's Waldo? So I, I say, um, I, I, uh, I have misplaced my wife. Can, can you call her? And he says, Here. Take my phone. Give her a call. So I was able to call, and I was able to get a hold of my wife. Uh, she wasn't very happy, but that's all right. That's, I deserve that. But it is interesting. I didn't want to ask for help. I didn't want to talk to some stranger. I don't know what kind of crazy people. Now, now they have my, my, my wife's phone number in their phone. They could use it to track me and then murder us all in our sleep. That's how we think. That's how we think of strangers. Oh, trust me, it's been ingrained in me. Don't trust anybody. They're, everybody's out to get you. Well, that's what the world teaches. We're all suspicious of each other. This poor guy was freaking out. I was like, yeah, call your wife, man. I totally understand. You know, he didn't, like, say no. Good luck. He actually gave me his phone. I could have ran off with it. And so I called. But that's, it's, it's ingrained in us. We have this idea of stranger danger. And Jesus keeps reminding us, no, no, I want you to take care of the stranger. Because I, 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 it could be me. 
I could be the stranger. You might not even know it. God might be sending somebody your way and you might miss it. Because you're so ingrained about stranger danger, you're so afraid of other people and the foreigner that you forget when God sends people your way that he wants you to reach them. We got to balance it out, folks. It's not one or the other. There's another passage of scripture I want to talk about. It's, uh, it's John uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Um, in the beginning, I'll, I'll let you catch up here real quick. So John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was fully God. And the Word was with God in the beginning. Verse 3. All things were created by him, and apart from him not one thing was created that he that has been created. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not mastered it. A man came, sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that everyone might believe through him. He himself was the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created by him, but the world did not recognize him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not receive him. A better definition is he was a stranger. He was an outsider. You didn't want to be associated with Jesus. They did not recognize him and his people did not receive him. And my question to you today is, is God a stranger to you? Is he too foreign for you? Can you recognize him? Are you able to see that this is the God who made the world? Or is he a stranger to you? If I could have the music come. Yes, we, we have this idea of strangers. We have this, 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 this idea that we need to be suspicious of all strangers. And God's saying, no, I could be the stranger. I could be in that person. And then we have this idea that sometimes we see the stranger aspect, the stranger danger, and we sometimes reflect it on God and say, well, God may be a stranger. No, that's not the God I serve. See, I have my own version of God. No, no, God doesn't believe that. This is what he believes. This is the God I believe exists. <laughs> and then you meet God face to face and you can't recognize him. Like, oh, that's not God. I know who God is, and this isn't it. And God goes, his own did not receive him. They could not recognize him. Because their traditions and their ideas were so warped that when God showed up, they thought he was a lunatic. No, this is just another lunatic. 
claiming to be the Messiah, claiming that he is God. We get all kinds of people claiming to be God. Here's another one, another stranger, and they missed it. But in your own personal life, do you hear from God? Do you recognize his voice? I remember when I first came to church, I think I was 13, 14, my dad brought us in, you know, he, somebody invited us for Easter, and I, um, I came in the back, and then eventually my dad fizzled out, you know, life, whatever it might be, but I decided I wanted to make a commitment, so I kept going to church, so I turned, I turned 16, I got my driver's license, and uh, I drove my dad, busted up car, all the way to church. And uh, I made a commitment. I'm going to keep coming. And uh, I kept my jacket on because, you know, I wanted to make sure that when it was time to go, I could go. I, like, I didn't even take my jacket off because I, I was just there. I'm going to come, just do my, do my duty, and boom, I'm out of here. That's what I was going to do. Um, and I kept hearing about this guy, and I'm like, no, 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 no. That's, that doesn't seem, that's not what I believe. And the more I began to read the scriptures and the more I began to spend time in his spirit and his presence, the more I realized, man, I think I, think I got a wrong view of God here. And that's kind of how God works. He's a stranger when he arrives. You don't recognize him. Our value systems are crazy. I just told you one value. It's such a conflicting message. We tell you strangers are dangerous, and God's saying, I could be a stranger. Take care of the stranger. Well, that doesn't make sense. The world says, revenge. And God says, no, 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 I'll take care of revenge. You practice forgiveness. Well, that's not going to fly. So there's this conflicting message in the scriptures. It's conflicting to us because we're still learning about this God. So, as time progressed, I learned more and more about this God who talks quietly. He doesn't blare his information on 24 cable news. He doesn't blare his information on the pop charts or in movies. He just talks quietly. Do you recognize him? Have you received him? Would you receive this God? Because at times he's offensive. At times he comes at you and says, you got to change some things. Well, that can't be God. Because the God I know is love and he doesn't want me to change. He wants me to stay exactly the same. That's not true. God wants you to become better. He has a dream for you, a plan for you. And sometimes it's in conflict with our own plans. Are you willing to give those up? Let's just stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Stranger danger. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Oh, Lord, we love you, Jesus. God, we worship you, Jesus.
Help me, God, that you would renew my mind and transform me, Jesus, to your image. I pray, God, that when you come back, Jesus, I don't deny you. And, God, that I'm able to recognize who you are. And that, Lord Jesus, that I would treat the stranger with the care that you've treated me. Lord, you're going to send some people our way, Lord. You're going to send some people to school to us. You're going to send some people, our co-workers, Jesus, and people that we've run into, God, and in stores, and Jesus. You're sending people our way because, God, you're trying to win all people to you. Help us, God, not to be so suspicious and so fearful, God. We're so afraid, God. We're so afraid people are going to take advantage of us. There's this... There's too many bad people out there, Lord, who are taking advantage of people. There's too many bad people, Lord, who are hurting people, God. And help us, God, to discern Jesus. Help us to discern Jesus. Oh, Lord, but I would show kindness to, that, to the stranger. Just like that stranger, God, at the bench, Jesus, on the boardwalk, Lord. I could have taken off with his phone, Jesus. I could have done all kinds of things. But he trusted me, Lord, to call my wife. Help me, Lord Jesus. It's just not you and me, Lord. I need to ask for help. It's not just you and me, Lord. I need my body, God. I need the body of Christ. I need a church. I need to be connected to a body of Christ. I need to lean on others, Jesus. It's just not you and me, Lord. It's, it's me and a body of people, Lord God, that I can rely on and interdepend upon. I know what this world teaches, Jesus. You don't need people. You just need God. And I know that is counter. It does not go in line with your word, Jesus. Your word says, God, that your body, Lord, meets your needs, Jesus. Help me, Lord, not to be isolated, God, and separated from the body of Christ. No matter what crisis comes to me, let me not believe the lies of the devil, Lord God, that somehow someone is talking about me or somehow Jesus is trying to separate and alienate you from the body of Christ I rebuke that spirit right now in Jesus name Lord you love me Jesus you care for me Lord God there are people here who care for me Lord Jesus there are people here who are praying for me Lord and they've been praying for me since the beginning and they will continue to pray Lord Help me, Jesus, not to be isolated and separated from you and your body. God, Jesus, Jesus, help me, God, not to be a stranger. Let me be recognizable, Lord. Oh, Jesus, help me, Lord, God, to take on your name through the waters of baptism. Help me, God, that you can live inside of me so I can learn more about you, Jesus. Filled with the Spirit, Lord God. Evidence of speaking with other tongues. I need you to live inside of me, Lord God. So you're not such a strange God to me. So that I can hear your Spirit, God. And even though, Lord, there's lots of noise out there, there's still that small, quiet voice that keeps telling us, ask for help. There's lots of people around here, ask for help. No, God, I just, I need, to, I just need you to give me a visual image. No, 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 no. There's people here right now that can help you. You need to put your pride aside. You need to put your fear aside and ask for help. Jesus, 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 Jesus. These altars are open. If you need to pray for the Holy Ghost, today's the day. If you want to get baptized, today's the day. Don't let anything stop you. 
at the end of the day, it's your choice. It's what you do. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Rossi, la 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 la.